Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. G'day and welcome to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Today we're going to go through some busts, some players that will disappoint you if you draft them in your fantasy leagues, players who are being overvalued, and we're talking today about category leagues. Let's go! talking about G'day and welcome again to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Casey, and you can find me on Twitter or on X at Ball Boys Fantasy. And as we said, guys, going through some disappointments, some overvalued, overrated busts in fantasy basketball. Now, not all of these players are going to be actual season-ruining, league-ruining, team-ruining picks, but I do think based on Yahoo's most recent Uh, rankings update that these players are ranked too high and don't present any upside, but plenty of downside at their rankings and where they are going in drafts. So we are going to get stuck into it straight away. We have already done our sleeper podcast, both for categories and points leagues. So if you want to and you haven't already, go and check those ones out um, and have a look at some of the sleepers. We are yet to do the deep sleepers or flyers. So a lot of those players won't be um, top, sorry, players outside of the top 120. So we'll be doing some of those deeper guys who are ranked way down in a separate podcast to come. Um, But we're not here to talk about sleepers. We're here to talk about busts, the bad players. Let's go into it starting off with... Pascal Siakam, Um, and the Raptors fans, they're up in the comments, but Pascal Siakam, to me, is just um, not as good of a category league player as he is a points league guy. Pascal Siakam is a player who gives you decent points, decent rebounds, and decent assists, nothing elite, um, and is sub- par when it comes to his efficiency. He doesn't hit a whole lot of threes at only 1.3 per game last year, which is just barely above average. Um, Average in steals and blocks as well. He just is kind of average across the board with a slight positive in rebounds and assists. The good thing about Pascal Siakam that I think elevates him a little bit higher than his ranking of 46 last season 
um, which is in a nine category ranking. When I do a minus one ranking, he actually falls back a little bit as well because of the fact that he doesn't benefit from any particular punt build. He isn't extremely elite in any particular one category. So he kind of is just that guy that falls down a little bit um, as a result. But he is a center eligible player. I will give him that. So as your center who can put up 24 points and nearly six assists per game, that is very useful in a, in a, a team where you're punting big man stats and you can still get decent scoring, at least a three per game and nearly six assists. That is very, very useful. So I think in those situations, he could be maybe ranked a little bit higher. But um, being the 46th ranked player last season, I don't necessarily think he gets any better this season. There are still trade rumors swirling around Pascal. I don't know how well he thrives outside of Nick Nurse's extremely high minutes. He did that all in 37 minutes per game. And if I'm not mistaken, I think that led the NBA in minutes last season. So uh, with a new coach in town, I think that that scales down two to three minutes at least per game, which naturally should see his minute, uh, stats come down slightly. He's approaching 30 years old. So could you start to see him just slowly, not much, but just slowly um, starting to regress a little bit as he gets a little bit older. Um, and and again, when you're ranking him at 28, you're taking to the fact that he's a, a really good points league player versus his category league ranking, which is very average um, across the board. So I think his range for me is more in that 40 to 50 kind of a range versus round three where you're getting him at, you know, Yahoo ranked 28. Some people might even reach for him in the end of the second round, which I am dead set against. I just think that, that you're really not getting much value in a player like Pascal Siakam at that point. And, and even this year with the abundance of centers, I think there are better options, even if you are punting those big man stats to, to get a center eligible player um, that can maybe do a little bit better um, than someone like a Pascal Siakam. So for me, he is the first bust of the list. Again, not obviously going to ruin your draft, but definitely overvalued, especially in category leagues. The next guy is a very similar story. Another big guy, it's Bam Adebayo. Now he is a very interesting case because he's got a Yahoo ranking of 29, which I think would be okay if we could guarantee that Damian Lillard wasn't coming to this team. Now, we obviously cannot guarantee that. He was the 34th ranked player last season. He took a dip the last two years, 38th and then 34th, since the arrival of um, Kyle Lowry coming to this team, where his assist in the previous season was at 5.4, and they've come down to 3.4 and 3.2 in the last two seasons. Now, with Lowry probably taking a step back, you might expect that to come up again, but Damian Lillard is the X factor here, so... At 29, I think you're kind of peaking his ceiling. He has an opportunity to get there, but I think that's almost best case scenario, and you've got a huge risk that if Damian Lillard comes into this team that he suffers a hit to his points, he suffers a hit to his um, assists, and he might also suffer a hit to his free throw attempt rate and his field goal attempt rate, which on a good field goal percentage drops his value in those four categories as well. So, it's it's actually a sizable hit to him, I think, probably even more so than a Jimmy Butler who still figures to feature prominently on, on offense and he has those steals to elevate him as well. Um, but I think Damian Lillard would come across and we've seen it already to a degree when Kyle Lowry came across and he went from the 18th ranked player to the 38th ranked player. 
I think when you're drafting him at 29, you're drafting him at his peak ceiling, and there's nothing but downside here. So I've got a range here that's not too far away from the Yahoo ranking at 35 to 45. I think I'd probably rather get him closer to pick 40, um, just because I think you've started to... you've scheduled in there or, or sort of placed in there a buffer for him to fall down. If Lillard doesn't come across or you get a chunk of the season without Lillard, that's kind of like bonus. But expecting that when Lillard does come across, if that does eventuate, um, that you're not stung quite as much by getting Bam in the third round, but rather as uh, one of the fourth players on your team. So I think it's just about a round difference that I have him in my evaluation compared to where Yahoo has him ranked. And more just an interesting guy to talk about when it comes to ceiling versus floor and that scenario of if Damian Lillard does come to this team I think he can be a big loser, so I don't see much point in drafting him at 29 where there's nothing but downside. Let's um, talk about the Ball Boys Championship 30 League. So, guys, I am nearly full of the Ball Boys Championship 30 Leagues. I've already sent out a bunch of invitations to join a league of 30 teams versing myself with a chance to win $500 with over $700 in total prize money. Um, it is a slow draft in October. Nine categories head-to-head where you're versing multiple managers a week. It will be a four-week championship playoffs simulating the NBA season. So you're going to have 16 teams um, and finishing with one champion at the end of it. Um, Weekly lineup. So you're going to be setting your lineups once a week um, with a smaller roster spot. So there won't be as much streaming going on. But if you want a chance to join uh, that league and verse me in fantasy basketball this season, head over to the Apple podcast um, section for this podcast, Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball, and give this podcast a five-star rating and review. And in that rating and review, please leave your Twitter handle in there, and I will send you a DM on Twitter as long as you are following me to give you the invitation to the league. We only have a few spots left, so if you're quick, you will still be able to get into and join the league. We will be hoping to draft come October, so I'm wanting to get those uh, invitations out. So So jump in and get your review while you can and give yourself a shot to verse me and 29 other fantasy basketball enthusiasts. Um, Again, five-star rating review. Leave your Twitter handle handle and follow me at BallBoysFantasy. $25 entries. Very keen to verse you guys all there soon. All right, let's keep going. Nicola... Vucevic is one of the bigger busts, in my opinion, so far this season. Yahoo rank of 36. I believe that is exactly what he finished last season. Let me just double-check that one. So last year's... Oh, no, sorry. So last year, he was the 26th ranked player uh, on a per-game basis, and he did play all 82 games. Why do I think he's a bust, and why is my range so far down at 65 to 75? Well, last season, we already saw a drop in his usage. So the last three seasons, he went from 20 field goal attempts a game to 17, sorry, to 15.8 the year before last, down to 14 attempts last season. He's also gone from 2.2 free throw attempts down to 1.9 free throw attempts. The difference was that last season, his free throw percentage went from 76% up to 83.5%. And his field goal percentage went from 47% up to 52%. So both percentages took a reasonably large increase compared to what he does on an average season. So if both of those numbers just come back down to career averages, 
then you're going to see a huge fall away, I think, in Vucevic's ranking because he doesn't give you elite um, threes. His um, steals and blocks are both below par. He's just average across the board with the exception of his rebounds. He's also turning 33 years old this season. So again, another year of decline for a big man who's not very athletic. He's not special in any one area. He's not an elite shooter or anything like that. I just think that it's very, very easy for me to project him at a 49% field goal percentage. It could even go as low as 47, which he's done basically three years in a row prior to last year, and see him go from a guy who averages 17.5 points to averaging 15 points, 10 rebounds, um, you know, 0.7 steals and blocks, the field goal percentage goes from being a positive to a slight negative. The free throw percentage also last year was um, near the highest of his career. So that comes down to closer to 80%, and that's now only just a very marginal positive. It, it's, there's just a whole lot of very easy things for me to expect him to regress at, at age 33. The minutes could take a little bit of a, deep, uh, a dip with this team really not going anywhere uh, anytime soon. So you've got the added risk of them really blowing it up, which I don't necessarily think that they will, knowing that the the Bulls, they love to be just mediocre. But just him taking a step back to even just what he's been doing the previous seasons in terms of his percentages, combined with what we've already seen year after year as a slow decline in his uh, attempt rate. If we continue that trend even further, so this is me even just saying that he'll put up the same as last year. If we continue that trend further, then he goes from 14 to 13 shot attempts. Again, you're going to see another hit to his scoring, a hit to his threes. Um, and it's just it's just a very slippery slope for Vucevic. So again, at 36, you're drafting him at absolute ceiling, in my opinion. I don't give a shit that he played 82 games last year. Um, some of you might disagree with that stance. I just don't think you can bank on that year after year. Look, he is typically durable, but again, when you're not providing the value per game that I think um, you need to stay at this pot at this spot, um, I just don't want anything to do with you. So I'm not drafting him until outside the top 60. Um, and at, at 36, I think that is a huge room for uh, disappointment and a bit of a bust candidate. My leading contender for the number one bust at the season at the moment. We'll, we'll see how things go close to the season. The next guy here pains me to say, but Jalen Brown of my Boston Celtics is a bust. Again, a culprit of being boosted by his points league value in Yahoo's trying to fit everything into one rankings method. Um, so he is ranked 38th on Yahoo, but in a category league, he just does not provide this type of value. He scores a lot, and that's why his points league value is really good. But he is someone that last year was the 49th averaging player, or was the 49th ranked player in nine category settings. Again, stats are pretty even across the board, so in minus one ranking, doesn't gain all that too much. So I think that he's definitely someone probably more likely to be drafted outside the top 50. Um, you've got Porzingis joining the team to replace Amarcus Smart. I don't think that Brown's going to be the one that picks up the playmaking duty. We've seen all the you know the footage of him dribbling and, and you know he doesn't have a left hand and all this sort of stuff. So I don't think he's going to get the benefit of Marcus Smart's assists. Whereas I think someone like Porzingis is going to shoot more than, than a Smart. So his usage might take a slight dip this season. And again, he just uh, is kind of average across the board. So I've got 45 to 55 because again, points are hard to come by and he can give you 25 points per night, which definitely probably means he gets drafted ahead of 
where his projection and his ranking might be. But 38 to me is too high. It's it's not someone I want to reach inside the top 40. You're still getting really good players at that point. So he's definitely a guy that I'm not reaching until it gets to the fifth round. So um, I just think there's better options. And again, you, you're basically drafting him higher than he's ever been before. His highest season was in 2021, where he ranked as the 40th ranked player in a nine-category setting. Um, and yeah, I just don't think he you can expect him to do that when you've added a Kristaps Porzingis. Um, and again, he's 27, so he's in his prime, still not necessarily worried about decline, but I just think it'd be foolish to, dra- uh, foolish to draft him uh, at his peak or higher than he's ever done before when you've added a player that is expected to take some usage away from you. The next guy here, Scotty Barnes. Um, again, and again, I feel more confident than these busts than I do with all of my sleeper picks. I think these guys are pretty clearly going too high. In my opinion, Scotty Barnes regressed in his second year compared to his first year. He was the, uh, as my computer loads here, he was the 86th ranked player on a nine category setting after being 69th in his rookie season. So he got worse in his uh, efficiency, his field goal dropped, his rebounding dropped, um, his steals and blocks maintained the same. Assists went up, so even his assists and free throw percentage went up, he still dropped down. The rebounding is really concerning because that really dropped away once Jakob Pertl came to this team, and I think that that will continue. So I think that he went from... So he averaged 6.6 for the season, but actually averaged 5.4 in the last two months of the season, which was post-trade deadline and Jakob Pertl was there. So I'm expecting him more to be in that 5, 5.5 rebounds per game. Yes, Fred Van Vliet is gone, so I do project him to see an increase in assists. So he probably will average maybe 5.5 to 6 assists per game, and that is all well and good, but I don't think that covers up the what is that, 35-spot ranking increase that they expect over on Yahoo. He's still inefficient. He doesn't shoot threes. I think the blocks also fell away. So in the last two months, he blocked uh, 0.6 shots per game versus 0.8 for the entire season. So he was blocking closer to sort of one shot versus 0.6 after Jakob Pertl got there. So I think that's going to take another drop back down. We have I haven't really seen any improvement in his shooting or efficiency in his field goal percentage, which you would expect that or hope that to be something of, an, of an, a strength in his game. Maybe when he's got the ball in his hands, he can do a little bit more, but I just don't really see him as that kind of player. Um, I don't know if he's going to really succeed as a permanent on-ball point guard type guy. Um, so at 51, I think you're bypassing a lot of other t- talented players to really reach for Scotty Barnes. And I just realized that I've spelled his name wrong on this hint. Scotty Barnes, um, I will just go ahead and uh, fix that one up while I do that. But he is just someone that you are not getting any value on, in my opinion, when you draft him at that point. You are really just leaving yourself open to a lot of downside, a lot of disappointments when you draft him there. I'd be happier to wait to closer to 65 and 75, which again is ahead of where he was ranked last season, closer to where he was in his rookie year. I think that's a, that's the sweet spot because, yeah, maybe his assists go up. Maybe, he, again, he improves um, compared to last year and he maybe even improves more than his rookie season. But you drafting him at that point leaves you at least open to that being a, a positive outcome. At 51, you've got nothing but disappointment there, in my opinion. Next guy. 
This guy featured on the sleepers in the points league because he's ranked at 65. And in a points league, that is unders. But in a category league, this is, again, at his ceiling, in my opinion. He was someone who, again... I don't want to put too much stock into nine category rankings, but even in a minus one ranking sense, he was very poor last season. So nine category rankings, he was 210th. But even in a minus one ranking sense, he was still barely, he wasn't even inside the top 100 ranking. He averaged 20.7 rebounds, 3.7 assists, poor in both field goal and free throws. Um barely above average in steals and blocks and just below average in threes. Look, I think he'll be better than this. I really expect him to take a fairly sizable jump forward in his field goal percentage. Um, Being a bigger player that can use his size a bit more in year two, I expect him to go from like around 43% closer to 48%. I think that's a realistic jump that I think a player like Paolo can expect, um, which, again, improves his scoring. I think his threes might marginally tick up. Rebounds might marginally tick up as well, maybe playing some backup center minutes. All of these things, I think, will improve. But I think at 65, you're just just hoping and you're projecting that he improves his blocks, steals, field goal percentage, threes, points, rebounds, assists. Like, there's a lot of things that you're expecting him to take a step forward. And he might do that. He might. But again, you're leaving yourself no room for value. Um, so in my opinion, you, in a category league, you're waiting until 80 to 90 to draft this guy. But in a points league, I mean, this guy's amazing value. I think he's top 40. I think he's um, pretty comfortably in that range. So again, this is a ranking as a byproduct of Yahoo trying to thread the needle between these two very different formats um, and just getting both <laughs> both wrong because uh, I think he's too low in one and too high in another. So uh, for me in a category league, personally, I think this is a bust. Could he get there? Yes. Do I want to draft him at this spot? No, I don't want to draft him at this spot because I'm cutting out all of the upside uh, for a player like Paolo Boncaro. Uh, again, just before we finish up these last few guys here, a reminder, the ballboysmba.com is open and the season guide is available for you guys to join and get your memberships. Um, we have two memberships this season. If you joined last year and enjoy the top 150 rankings for category leagues, we have that again for our silver members, as well as our points league ranking, top 150 rankings over there as well. But we also now this season have new and improved um Uh, Fantasy basketball projections with my nine category, minus one, and fantasy points projections uh, on the top 250 players. Um, And I also will be coming out with my dynasty rankings very, very soon. Hopefully that is not too far away. It's not there yet, but it should be available just around the corner. Uh, We'll be going through fantasy basketball articles. I've just recently dropped my favorite punt builds for 2023-2024, which includes two punt builds, which I think are very, very useful, very powerful this season. Difficult to pull off, but if they pull off, can be really, really tough to beat. So go and check that one out if you already are a Platinum member. And during the season, we will also be doing some weekly uh, exclusive Q&A podcasts for those who are Platinum members where you can submit any question you like, no matter what format, no matter, you know, submit your whole team if you want to, and we will spend some time every week going down in a more detailed um, way on a podcast form and answering all of your questions there exclusive to you guys. So you'll get uh, you'll get all my advice throughout the entire season personalized for your team. So definitely go and check that one out. Last few busts here, guys. 
The next one here, Clint Capella. Now, I am of the belief that this is the season that we'll see at least, at least, um, Clint Capella and Onyeka Okongwu split time. Clint is someone who is a fairly boring fantasy player, very one- or two-dimensional when it comes to his value. It's rebounds, it's blocks, it's field goal percentage. And the blocks have actually been trending down. Last season, he averaged 1.2 blocks. The year before, he was 1.3. He's no longer that two-block-per-game guy, which had him right up there as a punt-free-throw guy. That gave you that Rudy Gobert light numbers. And even Rudy Gobert is dropping back down. But I think Click Capella is definitely at risk at splitting time with Onyeka Okongwu. And if not that, being traded away before the trade deadline. Now, I don't think a trade for Capella is necessarily the worst thing for him. But it, it does bring on an element of unknown for him. Because he could end up potentially in a situation that's better for him. But I think that, again, we need to take... Um, these big guys that don't offer much outside of those three categories, rebounds, blocks, and, a, and field goal percentage with a grain of salt because sometimes the rankings look at them favorably. You can look back at last season and say, yeah, he was a 43rd ranked player in 26 and a half minutes, but he gave you no threes, like really, really low assists, um, less than a steal, 0.7 steals per game. The free throw percentage was horrendous. His value in that format is boosted by the low turnovers as well. So I think more realistically, we should be viewing him closer to that 90 to 100 range because, again, he's a big boost in two categories. The blocks are okay. There's more blocks than ever um, in this year's NBA, in my opinion. So you can get some guys who still block shots and have more upside at a similar, if not later, range in the draft for me. So Clint Capella is definitely someone that... If I really need to get those stats at the end of the, the top 100 range, I can target a Clint Capella. But by no means am I going out of my way to draft him in the middle rounds. I think, again, at 71, the way that his value actually affects your team, this is too high for him. And you're not actually getting a decent uh, producer in this spot with a bit of a risk that he... I don't know if he's too much of a bench guy moving forward, but he definitely, I don't think he's a 30-minute-a-night uh, player anymore is Clint, and um, that really limits his upside to get any more value than the Yahoo's ranking of 71 here. So closer to 100 is more where I like Clint Capella. The next guy here, I'm starting to lose faith in Jalen Green. I was never huge on Jalen, but I was willing to be proven wrong because of his offensive talent. But when it comes to fantasy basketball, we need more. We need more than a guy who can just score points. Think of RJ Barrett. RJ Barrett is a guy who's scored points forever, and he's never been a guy that's been super valuable for fantasy. Now, Jalen Green, I think, is a better player than RJ Barrett. Don't get it twisted. Don't get me wrong. But you can see the the similarities in terms of he's inefficient. He doesn't get steals or blocks. His assists aren't super high. Like three, three and a half per game is not going to be enough to get it done. Now, he hits more threes, and he probably has more potential to be a greater scorer. He could be 25 uh, points per game. That's definitely within his realms of possibility. But can you do anything else? Uh, I just don't know if I see it. Plus, you're adding in Amen Thompson. Plus, you're adding in uh, Fred Van Vliet. Dylan Brooks, Shangun's going to be a year better, Jabari Smith's going to be a year better, Tari Eason's going to be a year better. He's not the only young uh, up-and-coming player on this team. There are plenty of other talented options that they can feature on offense a bit more. So for me, Jalen Green, he's a guy that you grab late, 
around that pick 100 mark again if you're desperately in need of points because it can be hard to find. But he was the 192nd ranked player last season and he put up 22 points per night in that season as well. I just don't see the huge change in his value moving forward that suddenly makes him a top 80 player and improves him 100 ranking spots uh, in one season. I just I don't see it. Maybe it's him going from 70... Maybe he does a Shea Gills Alexander, and he goes from 78% to 88% from the free throw line. He does it on seven or eight attempts per game. That would be maybe something that you could point at, and that takes him from 22 points to 25 points, and he does it on elite efficiency in free throws. And then you can just punt the free uh, the field goal percentage and, and find your steals and assists elsewhere. Maybe, but again... We can't project that. We can't just project a guy who's been 79, 78% from the free throw line to suddenly go up 10 percentage points. That would just be irresponsible. So I don't like getting him um, at this ranking spot at 74. But again, if you need points around pick 100, he is fine uh, for that reason. And uh, these last couple guys, you can probably pick it. Had to, had to have him on here. Tobias Harris, my friend, your friend, Tobias Harris. Good old boring Tobias Harris. He just is someone who I don't mind as much as I as I disliked him last year. And again, it pissed me off to no end last season when he was racking up all these steals early in the season and making me look like an idiot after he was the uh, number one bus candidate last year. But we did see in the final two months of the season or the last month and, and a bit, um, the steals came way back down. So he averaged 0. 0.9 for the season after, you know, 0. 0.6, 0. 0.7 the, the years prior. So he'll fluctuate between that 0. 0.6 and 0. 0.9 steals per game. The threes and, and everything like that, were, were, you know, were okay. I think with James Harden gone, he has a chance to feature more heavily in the offense. But again, when we talk about minus one rankings, which is, again, more of what we t- need to consider when it comes to um, head-to-head leagues, he just doesn't get the boost like any player does behind him. So if I look at my projections here and I look at the difference between his minus one ranking and his nine category rankings, he he still ranks at inside. He ranks higher than this in a Yahoo rank. So his Yahoo rank is at eighty-two. My minus my sorry my nine cap projection has him higher than this, but my minus one ranking has him thirty spots lower than this. So just the vast difference between his nine category setting because he's low turnovers does everything average versus him doing everything average and nothing even better than good um, just puts him way down the board and you can really target those guys if you are punting a certain category that provides you really big strengths well ahead of Tobias Harris so to me there's no upside in targeting him before pick 100 he will look better than this when it comes to that ranking number you see at on Yahoo. But in a minus one setting, this guy is hes just bad. He's just really bad because he's just the prototypical, like absolute average across the board. Every single category, he is just barely average. Um, so that is not someone I want in my fantasy team. It may look good, top 60 player last year. You can say that as much as you want, but to me, uh, averaging 14, 6, Two and a half, less than a steal, less than half a block, less than two threes on just okay percentages is, it's just, it's not exciting to me. I don't want that on my fantasy team. That's not where you're going to win your league. So drafting of 82 just seems pointless to me when you could be taking a high upside swing and potentially winning your league with a player that breaks out. And uh, Tobias Harris will not be doing that. 
And a very similar story with uh, typical good old-fashioned Mitch here, um, Russell Westbrook. <laughs> Had to finish it. Russell Westbrook is ranked at Yahoo 110 in a category of leagues. I'm not touching him until outside the top 140. Gone are the days where he's giving you those big triple-double numbers, um, which was really the appeal of Russell Westbrook after signing um, at the Clippers last season. In the last couple of months, he averaged uh, 15, 5, and 7.5. And but again, on typical Westbrook fashion, turned the ball over a shit ton. Field goal percentage was actually not too bad in, in, um, in, uh, at the Clippers. Not good, but it wasn't uh, horrendous. But free throw percentage, again, killed you. No threes, no blocks, the steals are low. So I think he's someone, again, in certain builds, you can take him as like a late-round flyer. But at 110, you're still filling out your top, 10 spots, your starting squad, and I do not want Russell Westbrook to be that. Um, I know that I think today got reported that James Harden trades for the Clippers broke down, but you still always have that risk that they are looking to replace him. Um, you know, hopefully Kawhi and Paul George play more this season than they did last year, and if that is going to be the case, um, then he's going to get... He's going to get hit pretty bad, and his fluctuations between his good and his bad is very frustrating for a lot of the time. So for me... I think there's better guys you can take an upside swing on at this point. So, late round flyer for those of you who are punting free throw percentage and threes potentially. But outside of that, I don't really want anything to do with Westbrook at number 110. That will do it for our bus, guys. We've got another one more bus show on the points lease coming out very soon. Make sure you stay tuned for that. And then, like we said, we're going to have the late round flyers, deep sleepers coming out soon, as well as some more mock drafts. I will also be starting a brand new series coming up soon, which I'm very excited to share with you guys. I've been doing a bit of work on it in the last several weeks. Um, A little bit of a fresh take, I hope, um, leading up to the start of the season. But um, stay tuned for that one. Again, make sure you guys are following me on Twitter at BallBoysFantasy. Make sure you're subscribed to this podcast and this YouTube channel. I'm trying to get to 10K subscribers on YouTube. Help me get there. Otherwise, thumb the video up. I'll see you next time. Bye. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.